Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I'm Jasmine Elmer and this is Legit Classics. How this is going to work is I'm going to get someone that knows some stuff about things in their field. I'm going to take the things I know about the stuff in my field, bring this all together and give you something bigger than either of us can do on our own. Whether you're here for the lulls or the learns, buckle up. It's time to get legit. This week, we are talking about sex, which is a brilliant topic. And I've got an amazing guest for you is Kate Campbell, who is a sex therapist, accredited sex therapist, which is a very important point. Also co-host of the podcast, The Real Sex Education, and also an author with a new book out, Sex Therapy, The Basics. So hello, Kate. Welcome. Hello. Lovely to be here. Glad to see you. Um, Well, I can see you on Zoom. No one else can, but never mind. They can imagine. Yeah, they can imagine. Fantasy. They can imagine. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that later, shall we? Exactly. About fantasy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so your book, is it is it kind of sex therapy for regular folk or is it like, like tips for people or is it kind of like the art of sex therapy as a profession? Yeah, well, it, um, the basic series is a sort of introduction to a subject. So it's a read for people who know nothing about it and are just interested in sex and also for people who want to become sex therapists or already are. So it pretty much covers everyone. Brilliant. And you can get that now if you fancy yeah. a little read, little read of that. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, I've got to start with immediately with a bit of a bit of a confession. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm a bit British sometimes about sex. So Ooh. if I go a bit awkward sometimes, maybe you'll bring me out of my shell today. Oh. I'm a bit, it's a bit of a weird one because I'm so like outspoken. People are getting used to my style. I'll talk about everything. Yeah. But when it comes to sex, I think it's because when I was young, my mum teased me all the time about it. And so I sort of regressed. Oh. So I'm going to try my best here. Uh, but if I ever get, yeah, maybe you can bring it out of me. Maybe it yeah. turns into a bit of a therapy session for me. Uh, that would be quite great. That'd be fun. <laughs> Or for me, you never know. I mean, it doesn't really make sense because as we're going to see in today's episode, sex and the ancient world, Rome specifically, what we're going to focus on today, actually. I mean, sex is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I probably should be more used to it than that, really, given that I'm a classicist. But let's just see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. This is exciting. So like, given that we're doing confessions, um, did you ever study any sort of classical subjects at school? Are you coming into this fresh or have you got a little bit of background or? Not a lot, Um, because I was allocated German instead of Latin at school so allocated yeah we were given second language we were given a subject it was latin or german and i got german so i missed out on that but my daughters both did classics at a level i think um so so i know a bit via them did you have um, to do the revision with them not really i'm pretty shit mother um, (laughs) (laughs) but um, but i mean i was aware that they were doing it and I know that friends in my class used to be able to swear in Latin or they, they claim to swear in Latin. I'm really glad that that's the kind of education they were getting, the useful stuff, eh? Yeah. The useful stuff. They used to say Dick had a duck with fur on his back. Is that, is oh, that yeah. swearing? <laughs> they thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't know what it means, but they used to say it a lot. Yeah, I think it's imperatives. Yes, yeah, it's, it's learning how to learn imperatives in oh, Latin. Oh, right. Okay. Um, well, there you go. That's think, as far yeah. as I go. Sorry. <laughs> 
that's so this decent. is going to be good, a good education for me. Good, good, good. Well, obviously today I want to kind of draw out of you your expertise in, in the sort of modern world. And we're going to kind of look at the, the differences, similarities between the ancient. Now, I'm going to just do a little qualification here because sex is such a massive topic. We don't have enough time to do both cultures, Greece and Rome, justice. So Ooh. I've decided to focus entirely on Rome here. Um, so we're not. We're going to sort of put Greece. I, I love you, Greece, but we put you aside slightly because it can be quite different. Those two cultures, mm. actually. Right. Well, I'll get into my first question, shall I? Right. So Go I've got it. a couple of little areas I'd like to chat to you about, and they all begin with P randomly Ooh. today. So the first one is being promiscuous. Yeah. So um, a little bit of context for people that don't know and give you some context, Kate, as well. So sex is everywhere in the ancient world, in Rome specifically, and there is a lot of sexual freedom. So in Rome, it is a patriarchy. So I'm not going to sit here pretending that women are having the best time ever. It's men. They have lots of sexual freedom. You can be a married man in ancient Rome and you can have sex with women uh, as long as they're not married. So they're essentially virgins. You can't have sex with virgins and you can't have sex with other women that are married. But other than that, you can do what you want. So you can have sex with your slaves. You can have sex with other women, so prostitutes, and you can even have sex with men. And we'll talk about kind of same-sex uh, relationships in a moment uh, as part of all of this. So it's like basically like some kind of male... I, guess, I don't want to say fantasy, that sounds really bad, but they have so much um, you know, freedom, the men. And what really interests me when I started to think about this... Do you think we can unpack this this concept that being promiscuous is still today a bit more acceptable for men than it is for women? No, it's fascinating, actually, because I think there's always been consequences for women when they have sex, because obviously they're the ones that get pregnant mm. and they also are responsible for the childcare. So slipping off to have a little bit of sex with somebody is obviously more difficult. And so I suppose there's there's that element to it. And there's the element that women's sexuality is has always been something which people are a little bit afraid of or men are a bit mm. afraid of because you can't you can't tell if a woman's sexually aroused um, yeah. at all, uh, whereas it's a bit more obvious with a man. So there's that element to it. But at the moment, I think it's really really confusing for people because there are a lot of different discourses around what's acceptable and what isn't. So for a lot of women who see having a lot of sex as empowering and something that they really appreciate and they what they get out of it is to do with power and control, which is what a lot of, as I understand it, Roman sex was about um, yeah, power and control. So penetrative sex rather than being the yes. dominant partner, being the dominant partner yeah. was important. And I think that is still something that is really important to people. Now, women are trying to regain their power and control by having a lot of sex with a lot of people and not taking much care about whether the relationship continues or not. That's a mm. current modern thing for some people, but not for everybody. No, of course. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm horribly generalising here. I mean, there's so yeah. many individual situations going on today. But you, you picked up on some brilliant points there. So the first one about penetration, which is really fascinating, because if you're male and you're having sex with another man, that's fine. We're not labelling it as a gay relationship or gay sex. That doesn't really exist like that at all. It's just sex with a man. But the thing that's a big no-no is that you, you have to be the one penetrating. If you are being penetrated, then that essentially puts you in the role of a woman, which is a lowly role in society. So... 
I find that really interesting because I get that now it's far more complicated and nuanced and, and different. But actually, we've still got this, I think, to some degree. Yeah. Is that what you would say, Kate, as well? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and, and I think I think you we, we, we kind of went into a, a bit of a dip where people felt more empowered. And I think we're coming out of that dip and women are feeling less empowered and noticing and recognising more and more how much they are subjected to the patriarchy. So that's very much a thing at the moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And like they even have it in their like religion, because obviously if we even look to Greek mythology here, which is obviously Roman mythology, very similar. Mm. And, you know, even like the king of the gods, Zeus, or in Roman mythology, Jupiter, you know, he's known to have over a thousand lovers in mythology. So it's fine that, you know, when, when I've taught this with kids, I mean, obviously slightly, sometimes slightly censored way of teaching it, depending on the age of the children. But you would talk about this in this way, like, you know, oh, well, that's cheating. You can't do that. And I'm like, well, actually, you've got to get into a world where there is no such thing as cheating, but there are certain laws where you're not allowed to cross the line. In 18 BC, there was this law that Augustus, Augustus was what the first emperor of Rome, and he got really annoyed at how uh, Rome had become kind of debauched and immoral. So he decided to put a load of rules and laws in to try and make like strengthen the family and relationships and kind of make it more moral again. That um, a father or a husband can kill on sight a wife with a lover like they can just kill them. So there are some restrictions on the husband, but the father can certainly do it. But it's this idea again, power in the man's hand. You catch your wife cheating can immediately be killed and that's legal Mm. i mean okay i'm not going to suggest that we have that today (laughs) at all but even in marriages where where the wife has cheated and that's at the end of the marriage i I do wonder about that stigma that comes with that for a woman as opposed to a man we expect it of a man i'm I'm sorry to say we're like oh okay yeah and then a woman it's like oh wow really yeah, yeah. I mean, there is there is definitely less acceptance of women having affairs. It's always more shocking. Mm. Um, women in general are expected to sort of deal with the emotional state of a relationship. They're much more responsible for that. And so, the, you know, the, the idea that they could hurt their partner is, is much more unacceptable. Mm. And I mean, I think if you think about Zeus, I mean, Zeus used to, used to trick people, didn't he, into having oh, sex? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's I think there's a lot of I mean, at the moment, a big theme is people removing a condom during sex. So, again, more trickery. And the the idea of of there being a lot of trickery around in sexual relationships is is huge at the moment. It's something that's really bothering people who date. Yeah. And one of the things that I think happens is that when you get a society where people are less sure about the the society that they're within and the rules that they're within, then actually, historically, I think sexual behaviour starts to change quite markedly and people start to look for assurances through their relationships and through their sexual behaviour, even though what they're actually doing is much more haphazard and less structured. And that's definitely going on now. And we are living in, you know, with Brexit, with, um, you know, COVID and with, well, having three prime ministers and things. That's definitely happening in <laughs> well, this country. Well, it might country. be four by now, Kate. I don't know. Uh, sorry, I can't keep up. Um, <laughs> th- but we're living through that. And I think the same goes for Rome. You know, that was the mm. vast transitions. Probably it's it's probably something similar. I mean, I'm guessing that. You are expert, totally right. There's but- so many changes going on. And I think you're right. Sex is a really, I guess, good barometer sometimes. Attitudes mm. towards sex of what's going yeah. on in a culture and a society. 
I mean, I'm having to generalize slightly Rome when we're talking, you know, many hundreds of years of history. But, you know, yeah. as you get later in the Roman Empire, that's a Christian empire. You can imagine trying to get through how that impacts attitudes to sex is huge. You can imagine that Christian attitudes to sex were much more conservative. Many things were pushed underground. In fact, you know, what's really fascinating, we'll talk about Pompeii a bit later because there's some great evidence there, particularly about sexual images. But things were found, and this is like, you know, very recently in in the 2000s, early 2000s, but because of the Christian attitude to the images being too much they put them under lock and key and the public couldn't see them for a long time so Mm. you know that is happening all the way back you know when when christianity is adopted Mm. as the main religion of the roman empire but the way Mm. you're describing it is suggesting to me that you maybe you feel like we're in flux at the moment as well with with our society and identities and sexuality is all so exactly and it's evolving rapidly i feel i mean you know Mm. i don't know if that's what you're experiencing in your work yes absolutely and how we do relationships as well is changing Mm. um very much so it's completely fascinating i think there are parallels hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I can't talk about sex in Rome without talking about prostitution. And I'm going to use the yeah. word prostitution. In a modern sense, I would prefer to use sex workers. I don't know what you think is more appropriate. But, yeah. but sex yeah, workers. I'm going to say prostitution because I think because when we're talking about the ancient world, I think that's kind of the word mm. that is a kind of more used, but not to, you know, not make the point that sex workers is really the, the appropriate term. But, you know, like prostitution in ancient Rome is obviously it's a legal thing. So, you know, prostitution is, is, is everywhere. It's, it's readily available. I mean, it costs roughly about either less than or about the same as a loaf of bread to visit a prostitute. Um, wow. So it's, it's that. It's, I don't want to say it's like a public service in that sense, but it's super, super accessible. And there, there would have been different types of prostitutes. You could have these professional prostitutes, essentially like VAT registered normal, you know, tax registered, go on a list, pay tax to uh, imperial tax to the... Uh, to the authorities. So you have that side of it where it's very out in the open. There are all different types of prostitutes or sex workers around in the in, in the town. So it might be that, you know, there are brothels, you know, uh, places that you can go to, to have sex. But also it's possible, and the evidence is kind of questioning this, but whether or not you could literally go into something by day might have been like a bakery. And then by the evening, you might have been able to go in and there's a room and you could have, I'm not talking about the hygiene of that, but you know, Based on that, either your own opinion or what you think the mood is out there about prostitution mm. being legalised, because I'm I'm aware that if I've got this right, please do say if I haven't got this right, but I, I believe that you can sell yourself uh, for sex, you can offer that as a service, but you can't solicit 
uh, 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 is, is that right? Do you want to try and yeah. tell me what you, that really you, you, is? I think you shouldn't solicit. And I think also that you, you're not supposed to make money from something. So you're not supposed to pimp, basically. Uh-huh, right. Um, but um, but I'm sure that happens. But I think when you say there are different, there were different types of prostitute in Rome, there's different types of sex workers now as well. And I think, you, you know, you've only got to look at OnlyFans, sex work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a sort of form of cyber sex or porn, but it's still sex work. And having mm. sex with somebody, I think people in my kind of role are most interested in sex workers who work with people with some kind of disability or something like that, specialist right. sex work. Okay. So that's that's of interest because they are doing an amazing job and it's a healthcare. You know, there's no doubt about it. Because yeah. for some people, you know, people who are immobile, like with paralysis or something, they may not have any other opportunity of having sex or being held or, you know, yeah. so very, very, very important. Wish it was legalized, mm. with, you know, should be. But in terms of in terms of, in some countries at the moment, Sex work is and brothels are legal, and in others they're not. They're not here, which is very controversial. I think there's lots of people who would like to see that happen, for for the sake of safety, uh, at the at the very least. Yeah. I mean, I want to just like into looking at this a little bit more into in kind of the I guess the status of prostitutes in 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 Rome because I don't want to give this uh, false impression that like I said that because it's legal that oh they have a lovely time of it of course that's not what I'm suggesting but if you are a prostitute in Rome there are some ways you have to show that visibly to other people so often female prostitutes would have to wear the toga the male toga which would oh. mean that you can see them in public and you know that they are a prostitute and they have essentially no real civil rights as part of something called infamia, which is like, you know, like the bad people essentially um, in society. So, you know, you are the lowest in society, but not only are you that in status, but you're being kind of forced to demonstrate that in how you dress, how you carry yourself. You also, if you became a more professional prostitute, you could apply for a, I love this Latin, it's, it's Lacentia Stupri, which in Latin literally means license for debauchery roughly so it means that means that you're officially and you go on this list uh, like a governmental list but that basically that's not a good thing because you are then for life you're on this list for life and you are kind of almost like damned as a sex worker then like oh my god you're that horrible thing you're so lowly i guess i guess i'm i'm wondering if we legalize it do you think there's a if you were then able to it was it was you could say what's your profession i'm a prostitute or i'm a sex worker should i say and that's my profession and i put it down on official documentation and i do you think that that might come with stigma as well though for those individuals because I feel like we've got a long way to go for people to see that as a, a valid... I, I mean, it would be important. nice if it was, wouldn't it? It'd be, be really mm. good if it was seen as a valid professional role. But, I mean, throughout history, sex workers have, have often been people of low status. I mean, as I understand it, people that were divorced sometimes ended up becoming sex workers mm. because they had no status. Yes. In, and so something as simple as that could, could happen if their relationship broke down, they were forced into prostitution. I think that's still something that happens 
around the world. There are lots of people who are trafficked still. If there was more mainstream, easy to access sex work, then you wouldn't you wouldn't need to be wandering around looking for people who've been trafficked. I mean, if you go anywhere in the world at the moment, you, you talked about having to wear a, a toga. There are women wandering around who are clearly sex workers. If you go to any sort of major square in the world, you will see some mm. women strutting around wearing odd clothes, wearing different clothes and looking very sexual. And you'll go, that's a sex mm. worker, that's a sex worker. That You can tell straight away. Mm. That still goes on. And sometimes if you stay and look long enough, you'll see a man come up to them, take some money or something like that. They, they're, yeah. they're often very controlled. So for all sorts of reasons, it would be better to if it was legalised. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And actually, it's another... To Another sort, sort of, of thing. type of clothing that, that women would have to wear potentially is like almost see-through clothing as well. So depending on the Ooh. context as well. So you you mentioned that about sex being on display, literally mm. in some of in some of the see-through uh, type outfit. Um, you know, I just wanted the last point on this before we move on to the to the final thing to talk about is just I just want to also note that many people that were involved in this might may have been slaves. So the thing that I have yeah. to really underpin is that in Roman society, lots of people own slaves. I think people often consider this and think, oh, it would have been rich people. Well, yes, mm. rich people would have owned a lot of slaves. But even as you come down in society in terms of like, you know, kind of their wealth, they can still afford slaves until you get quite low down where they wouldn't have slaves. So they might just have one or something. But, you know, this slave is your property. You can do whatever you want legally with this slave, including sexual acts. And that's completely fair game. Sometimes it might be free women that choose to do that. You mentioned about um, women that might have been divorced. It might not be that necessarily that, but women that need to make their own uh, way in life and have very few choices. Mm. Of course, this is not where they can go and get a job in certain professions. They can't do that. So I think that's an interesting point. I just want to make that distinction that, that you know, that, that slavery is very kind of, you know, melded yeah. into this particular point as well, where there is no choice. This is one that I'm probably the most awkward about. And I said it's going to be a bit awkward so far. I've been on sort of safer territory. But the final question I'd like to kind of chat to you about is essentially that the last P is like porn, basically. Mm. I, I say porn, really it's sexual images, I think, in Rome, because obviously I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend they're on the internet looking at videos because that's obviously not happening. But <laughs> okay, someone's gone away and think, oh my God, the Romans had porn. They didn't really have porn. It's not really the same thing. But, you know, in Rome... There are sexual images absolutely everywhere. So every person in society, including children, is going to have seen these images. Not only are they in mm. public places all the time, in all different types of public places, obviously in religious places, as well as just, you know, like maybe a bakery. There is graffiti everywhere that's sexual in nature, but also in homes. So sexual images take pride of place often in homes. If you look at the evidence in Pompeii, there are some like fascinating uh, frescoes and old, you know, kind of statuettes and all sorts of things. I mean, they're they're mad. I mean, I'll just tell you a couple because they're just fascinating to look at. Very famously, there is a painting of Priapus, which is a Roman fertility god, and he's got an absolutely massive phallus, and he's sort of got weights and stuff. And there, so the, when you take kids on a trip, that's where they run. They want to go see mm. that. There's famously a little a little statuette which is the god Pan, and he's actually penetrating a goat, and that was something mm. that was kept away. 
from public view for some time. So I just want to be honest about how much sexual image that is around these people, including young people. And even I mentioned in a previous pod, this thing called the bulla, which is like an amulet, a protective amulet that children are given that they wear around their neck. And often inside them, like little lockets inside them in, for the boys, there are phallic symbols often used as part of the protection. So, okay, for us today, we think our oh, penis, we don't necessarily think of it as a symbol of protection, but it's also that as well. So that's why it's super prolific. It's everywhere. But then if I come to my question, really, for you is by making like sexual images more taboo today so I always imagine when someone is watching porn or engaging with pornographic images or however they like to to do that that it's a very private affair it's very closed off affair and often they're possibly ashamed and I'm thinking specifically young people here by forcing young people to kind of make that I guess a more private closed off affair do you think we're cultivating problematic relationships with sex by forcing it out of the public and into the private Well, yeah, that's a really good point because the use of porn is controversial Mm. anyway. I mean, I think a lot of people who say they don't much like porn are viewed as sex negative rather than porn negative, if you like. So the problem with some of the images that children are seeing is that they're scary and they're extreme. Whereas what you might have seen as a painting or an illustration of something that's a very natural part of life is not scary or extreme and it's taken for granted. And I suppose a bit like kids who grow up on a farm or something would see animals rutting or whatever, having sex. They take it for granted. They'd see that as normal and they might even be present for childbirth or something like that for human childbirth. Some some people have been historically and, and are used to that kind of thing. And then it, once it's normalised, it isn't that secret taboo thing that you have to go off and do secretly in private and all of that. So yeah, I think that's right. And some of these pictures and fallacies and things, you know, what one has seen, and they are very life affirming and delightful. And the, the, the things I love the most are re- some of these really huge fallacies you see with a very smiley face. Oh, yeah. Somebody who's really pleased with himself <laughs> and they're really yeah. rather comical. Yeah. But they're po- very positive. And I think the idea that there were images and things around that were up for discussion and is brilliant because so many people don't talk to their children about sex, don't treat it as part of mm. life. And when children say to their parents, or oh, had a funny feeling, or look what's happened to my penis, they, they just say, oh, it's part of growing up and don't explain it. Explain it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if it was an open dialogue, whether you spoke to your parents or your friends or whoever, then you, well, that's much more likely if, if there's material around to yeah. prompt that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, this is the area that I am most concerned about of all the things we've spoken about possibly because Mm. I'm coming from the background of being a secondary school teacher and I've worked with you know many thousands of young people and attitudes to to sex it it kind of worries me I'm this is not me suggesting oh look at the Romans they're brilliant they did this it's not it's just by nature of the fact that sex is everywhere in Rome Mm. that you would never have got away from it it would have been there you're absolutely right. And then normalizes sex for younger people. And again, I, I, I can't, I cannot speak to their experiences. I cannot pretend that these are all good experiences because I'm not, they absolutely would not have all been that way. But in mm. some sense, I feel like we've got a lot worse it, 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 as, as society's gone on with, I guess, our relationship with sexual images. Um, yeah. And I, I'm a bit worried, I'll be honest. And I'm a mum, you know, my, my little boy's mm. six. So, you know, not, not something that I'm talking to him about now. But again, you have to do it younger than you might imagine, I think. But Mm. I'm a bit worried about this as a parent as well. I'm like, I don't know how to raise them well uh, in terms of how they access things like porn, where 
they have the, the the tools they need to make the right choices about what they're watching and understanding mm. what it's about and I'm a committed parent to this. I absolutely take the same viewpoint as you. I think it's really important to talk about it. But even then, mm. I'm a bit like I don't know what to do because I was brought up in a place it wasn't it wasn't something we talked about. And also, women, women watching porn. I don't ever hear that. I don't ever hear about that. I mean, you possibly do, but well, no, 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 happy, no. Lots of women do 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 that, and um, and lots of and lots of women are very um, porn positive, you know. And so, mm. the thing is that there's a difference between a depiction of sex and something prompting a conversation and sex being shoved down your throat everywhere you go and the the need to be good at it and then the feeling that you have to be good at it the feeling that there is a, a standard to live up to the pressure and this is so, as a sex therapist it's this pressure that causes problems for people and you, you know even the idea women should have orgasms men should give them orgasms that's a discourse that's around and it should have empowered women and, and allowed them to ask for what they want. What it's actually done is made women develop response pressure so that they are having to have a great time to prove that the man's okay to please the man. Mm. So instead of removing pressure, it's actually increased it in some ways. Right. So it's it's really difficult. And men worry that they're not doing it right. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, it's an, it's endless. So that conversation with children needs to start quite early where, the, where you're saying what you see, certainly what you see on television is not realistic sex mm. because there's no foreplay, everybody orgasms at the same time it's all really un- unlikely so no depictions of sex in media are really realistic and I think kids need to know that it's not mm. going to be the mm. way you think it is when it actually happens yeah and I actually as you were saying that, I was just thinking actually it's a really good point that we need to discern that when we are talking about sexual images in Rome we're talking about static you know we're talking yeah, about a painting exactly. a sculpture which mm. then I guess puts you into your own imagination a lot more. Whereas when you're watching a video, you're being guided by the video rather than your own imagination. Well, fantasy is so important, isn't it? I mean, you you know, our our own fantasies, our personal fantasies are really important. And we've kind of closed that down by offering everything on a plate. And the, the problem with porn is if you're looking on your computer, there's the excitement of the click and load. What's the next image going to be? What's the next? And you know what it's like, whether you're shopping or whatever you're doing on the internet, you can get carried away and go down a rabbit hole so that you're doing it for hours. And that's an issue as well. Whereas if you see a static image, as you say, that's something that you see and and you move on yeah that's drawn into anything yeah I mean this is a slightly side point but do you feel that schools do a good enough job with sex education I'm only going on my own experience I mean I'm not but I mean I'm 40 this year um and I say that simply just by so we can anchor I had lots of the 1990s uh, sex education I went to a Mm. girl's school and most of it was just really unuseful I've got this all I'm not going to name the teacher because this is bad I've never uh, this poor teacher but she was teaching us about it. And one of the girls said, we're worried that sex is going to hurt, which is mm. obviously a very normal question to ask. And the teacher said, no, no, it doesn't hurt. It's very pleasurable. And sometimes it's so nice that my husband will still fall asleep being inside me. Mm. That's all I remember about sex education. But I just found that we all just couldn't deal with that, really. And I don't well, remember anything useful. it's a bit candid, useful. isn't it? Yes, it no. was. <laughs> A bit personal. It was very personal. And it just freaked us out a bit. It was just weird, I think. I don't remember learning anything that was actually helpful uh, personally. But hopefully it's better now. I'm hoping it's better now. I think it's (laughs) definitely getting better. And and it's variable. I mean, it it depends on the comfort of the teacher. 
with the topic, really. Well, she was very and, comfortable, wasn't she? Well, a bit too comfortable. <laughs> but there's, but you know, and there's also the whole business of teaching boys and girls separately because they're they're worried about giggling and things. But actually, the giggling goes away pretty quickly. If you put the children in the class together, they might giggle for the first few minutes, but not for much longer. There will be girls who don't want boys to talk about that sort of thing in the presence Mm. of boys. I mean, you've you've got to maybe make a decision about what you do with them together and what you do with them separately. But if they're kept apart, there's never any cross... I was going to say cross-fertilisation of of ideas. They can get used to talking to one another. and And a girl who is able to talk to boys and men about sex isn't seen as a slag or you know or or, or, yeah I mean because and that is what happens at the moment and partly that's because they are separated for sex education right okay so do you think they should be together then if if, if well that would be ideal in, in an ideal world, the, some elements of it would be together so that they could mm. talk to one another and maybe ask one another questions. Mm. You know, I mean, and particularly where you've got girls and boys in, in mixed classes where maybe girls have got period pains and things like that and they're really embarrassed about it, about, you know, maybe yeah. leaking or any, you know, all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. Yeah. And the boys will giggle and make fun of them. If, if they had a conversation where the boys could understand what was going on and be more respectful, that I don't think that would happen so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, For that's instance. a really that's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. Oh, there's so much there's so much we could talk about here about especially kind of sexual like I said, the sexual images thing is something that I just feel like is really complicated. And I don't really know what the future of this is, but I'm mm. hoping that it's going somewhere better. And I love the work you, that people like you are doing and you and Diggs on the podcast where you're just trying to like now, even me, like, help me, people normalise it. and make, Like you say, because it is such a normal, natural thing. And that yeah. is what we can take from ancient Rome. It was very normal and natural. Mm. And I just would love that little element to come back at least, you know, today. Mm. And I think that's where we can learn quite a lot from Rome in terms of that kind of attitude to sex. Great. Well, you know, I can't let you go without doing a little test, you know, because I told you I'm a little teacher, don't I? Oh, dear. <laughs> Kate, I can see Kate on Zoom. She's looking really scared now. It's not really a test. It's just like, can you, well, I, I mean, it can be anything from like factual things that you've remembered, or it can just be like a little musing about something or something that mm. has been interesting to you. It doesn't really matter. It's just for fun. The game's called Legitimates. I mean, mainly it's just because I came up with Legitimates and got really excited. So I'll just try and yeah. put it in anytime I can. So do you okay. think you're ready for, are you up for that? Can you do it? Okay, let's do you it. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it, right? Yeah. So I'll, ca- I'll count you in and there'll be uh, a timer and then there'll be a little bong that tells you that the time is up. Ooh. So are you ready? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so sex was everywhere in the ancient world, especially in Rome, which is what we focused on. We weren't so interested in Greece during this conversation. The thing was that that Rome was a patriarchal society where men had a great deal of sexual freedom, much more than women, and they particularly enjoyed sex with slaves and they had sex with men. But their sex with men had to be penetrative for them to to maintain their um their status because um because sex with that was submissive where you were penetrated rather than doing the penetrating meant you were more like a woman um the phallus was really important. It was everywhere. Um, promiscuity was um, discussed during our conversation. It was okay for men, um, but it was about power and control again. So there was lots of um, uh, lots of interest in sex, and it was it was available. And there were lots oh, of stories about. Kate, sorry to interrupt. That's your sixty seconds <gasps> already. 
already but you just did so well you did like you did the whole, you almost did the whole pod again on your own that was amazing you remember well, it wasn't, so much. Well, it was too detailed, wasn't it? Because we didn't even talk about prostitution or porn. We that was we only really talked about the first bit. So, so well, they'll have to listen to the podcast again to yeah. get all of the detail. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was amazing. That was really detailed. Thank you so much. And you've been amazing today. I mean, I, I mean, I was already really interested in it, but it's so interesting. So much for us to take away here. Definitely think we need to consider doing a Greece version of that because that was that was brilliant. But thank you so much for coming today. Uh, and this has been a Legit Classics with Jasmine Elmer and Kate Campbell. Thank you for inviting me. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.